Hello and welcome to Artbox DNV. I'm your host, Jason. In this episode, I had a chance to talk to Andre Hemer over Zoom. Andre Hemer is an artist out of New Zealand whose work surveys digital media and painting. His process uses digital scanning, photos, physical paint to produce printed canvases as an underlayer with paint applied and sculpted on top. We talk about the themes he explores in his work with the mediums he uses and his process and the role of color in his work. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the interview. All right, well, uh, I got this machine recording. I got good signal from you and I'm getting signal from myself. So let's get this guy started. If you could introduce yourself and how you got started in visual arts. Sure. Uh, well, my name is Andre Hamer. I'm a painter, artist of wearing various hats, I guess. Originally hailing from New Zealand uh, and now based in Vienna in Austria. Basically, I grew up between Australia and New Zealand and did my art school first off in New Zealand and then did a postgrad at the Royal College in London, headed back to New Zealand and then in the following years kind of worked between a lot of places, did a lot of residencies um, overseas in Germany and Korea, um, back in New Zealand and well, I found myself making uh, doing a PhD um, in Sydney on painting. Oh, wow. <laughs> Around 2011, I started that. Funnily enough, the same week as there was a large earthquake in New Zealand the same week. And so basically that happened on a Monday and my PhD started on a Friday. So <laughs> it was this weird life <laughs> event segue where, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a end of a chapter, you know. So uh, Yeah, that's earth shattering. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And then after my PhD, I basically uh, have lived in Europe for the last, I guess, five, six years. Also spent a bit of time in the States. So I did a couple of residencies, ISCP in New York, Massmoka um, in Massachusetts. So I've generally been actually in the States other than COVID and, and that kind of whole thing. I've been in the States at least once a year, kind of working for two, three months at a time. So trying to split the time between sort of Vienna as a base and then going outside to do shows and other projects. Kind of go off script here for a second. Mm -hmm. I want to ask, and this is more of a general question for other people out there listening, is mm -hmm. how important are residencies? Because I think they're very important in my opinion. Yeah, super important. You know, that also sounds like a lot of movement and travel and stuff, I guess, too. And I think, you know, being from New Zealand, where you're you're very aware of your distance from the world at all times. And you're, you're sort of always looking out and people don't come to you. You kind of have to go to them <laughs> in right. that sort of cultural exchange. It was really important from myself as a New Zealander to begin with to sort of get out there and move in the world and, and have my work seen and, you know, experience other places. And I think, but more generally, as artists practice goes, I think residencies are such a beautiful thing because you meet, you meet amazing artists. Actually, that's number one. Yeah. It's not so much about whatever the institutional kudos or the curators or whatever, all that stuff. That doesn't matter so much as like your peer groups and, and just having new conversations with people. I use them. I, I really, I did a lot of residencies, especially uh, my sort of late 20s when I had sort of a practice established. I'd finished art school and then I I just wanted to go and, you know, explore the world a little more. So for me, they've been amazing. And I haven't done as many these days. I guess the last, I did one that Italy last year, but it was sort of, 
it's sort of a more casual affair and I really just wanted to use the landscape and what that opportunity presented for the work itself. You know, say, it was much more of a yeah, procedural kind of thing. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, so every residency is different, you know. And then ICP in New York, I did a few years ago. That's a big institutional beast and you have curators coming sort of every week. And that's great too. It's just, you know, whatever sort of works for what you want to do with your work, you know. And I actually think that's that's an important thing to state too. Like don't do things for what other people think of them. Do things for what you want to do. Amen, brother. You know, of yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, yeah. All right. So to get back on script, because uh, you were making <laughs> some kind of suggestions about your process, but uh, what are some of the themes you explore and, and why? Look, I, I guess I very simply put, I'm a, a child of a certain generation where I was like the Nintendo kid, you know, um, when I was young in the in the in the eighties, and then and then sort of you know early nineties, and and that generation where you had this cultural, visual, everyday interface that was starting to happen with kind of a you know in a digital way, and yet at the same time, you know, I love to paint, I love to draw the handcraft you know that simply put you know and, yes. and and just figuring out how those visualities could kind of like come together and for my practice i've always been interested in that and that's sort of been for me generationally like the pertinent issue of my time and then you know in a weird other way it also related somehow to what i said about new zealand being so far away like this dislocation geographically also corresponded to this dislocation we might have with green and objecthood and physicality and all that stuff. You know what I mean? So yeah, there's something there that, that also fits together. So Well, that's what I find interesting with your work, with some of your non-NFT work, I should say, mm -hmm. yeah. that you do have applied physical objects to it. It's just not all uh, flat. It's as yeah, actual exactly. physical yeah. 3D dimension added to it. Mm -hmm. And uh, which follow, this is a great follow-up question for that, is uh, what mediums do you use and why? Uh, so it's, it's pretty broad. So I guess part of my practice that outputs as painting, but in a complicated way with a lot of processes and materialities. Right. And I have a part of my process that's more purely digital in its output at least. And then I have things that kind of broach like i have some sculpture that sort of is the link between them sometimes or you know installations that are the links between them so but they actually all come from the same processes it's just the material outcome is a bit different so basically the the starting point for everything i do at least you know this at this point in my practice is i take physical things and phenomenological things so like the sky the weather landscape all those things but in real life and that's the starting point to capture digitally through digital scanners 2d scanners 3d scanners uh slow photography film all those mediums have them in this digital kind of archive that i then find a way to make into paintings or output into paintings or into sculpture so i can break that, that down a little more but that's the that's the sort of well, i was going to say well I'm, I'm the kind of person who's going to want you to break it down yeah for sure. <laughs> but uh, I, I, when I learned about your process, one of the first things that came to mind was, it's like, how many scanners does this guy have? Because Oh, I got a lot. I, I got a lot. I, just, just, just to the left of me in this room is a, uh, this scanner is one that museums use. I can't actually move. It's on a, 
hydraulic system. I can't oh move it other, anywhere other than my apartment because it weighs like 120 kilograms. I don't know what that is in pounds. 120 grams. Uh, if you divide that by three, uh, it's like a couple hundred pounds. Yeah, it's not. It's not yeah, like. I, well, I don't know if you see behind <laughs> me. I have a a letterpress behind me, and oh, amazing. That thing is, was made in 1897, uh, and it weighs about 80 pounds. So, like you, Amazing. I don't move it around a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, that's a little segue too, actually, because just I did my undergrad in printmaking, actually, and then all my postgrad oh, wow. was in painting. So, this is probably why I'm also I've always been interested in these kind of tools of translation. Um, technological tools of sort of translation and hmm, and letterpresses, printing presses, scanners—they're all kind of of the same. Yeah, thing, I, you know. I never thought of it in that term. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, that is actually yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I have a lot of scanners. Some are more portable than others. Um, some some die a slow death as I've like put them in a shabby cardboard box too many times around the world. I'm using a lot of more conventional photography now too. So I, I think what's important to me is not getting trapped in the technology of how you do things too much. And that's fair. It's very easy to use. Maybe you know, there's something there's something beautiful. Like I think of a musician. Maybe they have a synth that they love. And that produces the voice of the sound they want to make. Yeah. And that's amazing. But it can also, at some point, it can also like be a drag on trying to think about the next thing or the new thing. And so even if I go back to things I've used before, it's important to interrupt every now and again with some other tool that might just do it a little bit differently. It might be bad. It might be good. I'm not sure what's going to come, but yeah, well, I was going to say, it's also kind of a discovery. You know, you might find you worked with something for a long time and you move on to something else and you go back to it and you discover something new from something old and vice versa. Right. So I don't blame you for to continue to expand, but like the universe, I, I, I had to go there. I had to go there. So yeah, let's, Let's talk about this process that I, I am very interested in. So how did your process come about? Uh, so the first, uh, yeah, actually, funny, funnily enough, I was talking to someone about this on the weekend because they have a home and studio in Tuscany in Italy. And I was doing a residency in Tuscany about five years ago now, I would say. And I was thinking about painting histories in Italy and kind of what those cliches were but the cliches that were important you know and it, yep. you know when you think about it like light is the biggest thing light and landscape and why is that so special and why have there been so many amazing painters respond to that and so I thought about it in the context of what I was doing so basically I was taking a digital scanner that I brought with me um, and basically taking very slow photographs to put it in the in the easiest way to understand right like time um, exposure the, right yeah basically that's what a scanner is it's like a slow time exposure it's not actually static it's actually like when you think about it it's just doing sort of a line at a time so things can be moving in the and it's capturing it all in a linear way so right, right. an image is actually sort of a 10 minute moment which is kind of cool mm. and i was basically shooting upwards though to the sky so that that was the point that i wasn't just scanning something in an enclosure or whatever that i was using the light that was coming from above as the backdrop so literally the sky but also the light source um, and that light source then doing interesting things with this other light source of the scanner which is like led it's kind of this very 
harsh digital looking light and when those two lights sort of come together i thought that was interesting and it made the images that i scanned so so like i was scanning uh sculpted paint basically so i was taking painted uh, sheets of paint that i dried and then kind of folding them and manipulating them big globules of paint that were the sort of cast and applied in different ways and i was using them as the objects that i was scanning And so the end result was like these really interesting images where the objects sort of looked like they were floating really ethereally in the sky and the light was sort of coming from behind them, but then also reflecting from the glass. And yeah, just they were really interesting images and they're basically images of paint, you know. (laughs) And so like this was this idea to make these paintings like in a in a very new contemporary way but like using the the oldest thing imaginable which is you know just doing like a landscape painting on plein air right and then some of those they became these actually used some as digital works and some became paintings so then i would basically enlarge these things uh, and print them onto a canvas surface and then basically these were worked over with layers of sort of glazing and transparent paint and airbrush just using those same colors as the paint that i'd used and then just trying to be responsive in a painterly way to what those images were doing and then actually applying like those same objects that I'd shot back into the painting. So within a single painting, you have a image of paint, but you also have that real piece of paint somewhere, you know, and yeah, I just, I, I, that's sort of where I started with, with that body of work. And, um, it's sort of carried on since then and in more convoluted ways of just different approaches, but yeah. That's, that's the basis. And you've been exploring this process pretty much ever since and adding new yeah. elements to it, which I want to bring up your NFTs too. It looked like you, sure. you've started to expand in that world as well with more with video art. And is this kind of a, a new movement for you or is this something that's been bubbling in the back of your mind for quite a while? No. So the answer is no. And it's, it's sort of a pro- problematic um, <laughs> world. So even the, the, even the term NFT is interesting because I've been making these video works for a long time actually and back in 2017 i started the series i still do now so they're called sky sculptures and they're basically these 3d scans of paint or flowers or things that i'm finding against a video footage of these skies at the same place i'm shooting the painting work and i just i just wanted to make these digital sculptures to put it really simply. And it was a bit of a precursor to a lot of stuff that happened like with NFTs where you have the rotating form. Yeah. So there was something about that that I think was interesting early on. Uh, those, those video works have become something a little bit different now because I think a lot of that NFT stuff co-opted that visual language in a way that like I wasn't that interested in. But also for context, I, I was interested in that world. I ascribed my first video work to Bitcoin on the blockchain um, in 2015. So that was a long time ago. And yeah. I think it's been, it was a really interesting thing to do. I also was making different media-based work back then. I, the, the first work I ascribed, was nothing, it wasn't a painting, it wasn't a video, it was a zip file for context. So basically I wow. painted this exhibition from 
all they were all copies of a digital wallpaper pack, which mm. was like Android 2012. <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah. it was the default wallpaper pack that you could download. And I had gone and like painted each of these images individually and then made an exhibition. So I think it was about 12 images in total. And that happened in New Zealand in 2012. And I then documented that work and then zipped them up again in a zip file. So if, if, I don't know if people remember what a zip file is, but you know, yeah. it's just the thing that you collected a group of images or documents together to make the size of it smaller so you could send it to someone, you know. Well, I was so, going to say, um, these kids today, they just use their upload to their Dropboxes and all that. Yeah, no, they don't know exactly. The, There's no more need for a zip file. So no. yeah, I, you know, I was, I was really interested in media sort of based practices too. Because like I said, I'm always interested in that interface between where you have things that are objects in the world and have a physical experience but then they can also live this other life. The NFT thing specifically, you know, I'm not that interested in And I think I am interested in, but not in the speculative part and not in the, the speed of all that production of, of content. Like it's, yeah. it, it's sort of the antithesis of what I want to do as an artist. So when a collector, you know, when in a gallery throws my video work, like at, you know, at the Hollis Taggart show, um, you know, what they're buying, yeah, there's an NFT associated with it, but it's also just a, it's a more of a conventional video piece, you know, and they, right. they, they get a presentation box, they get the, the, the file and the software and all that. And the NFT is just provenance, you know, it's not, it's not the end game in itself. I'd rather make sort of like do beautiful digital editions a year than release uh, like a lot of these, these um, like, kind of like board apes NFT. or the trash cans. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. We're just, you know, releasing, you know, tens of thousands of things all the time, you know, and it's, it's sort of no, um, yeah, I don't want to be too negative about it too, because I think there's some interesting things there. But I just think as an artist, you're so, you're already so aware of the, the economic peril of what art is and how it operates and market forces that with a lot of that nft culture it's like the most important thing is the economics you know and that's that's the wrong way to operate like if you want a long well you're you're preaching (laughs) to the choir there as an artist you know and it's just not important to your practice well this is just my opinion i think nfts are good and bad Mm -hmm. i think that like you you just mentioned what i I agree with like it's a great way for Mm -hmm. provenance i also Mm -hmm. think it's a great way especially for video artists out there because Mm -hmm. prior to it very few galleries would be able to show video art or in most institutions would show them in a dark corner And I think having NFTs come about or crypto stuff is also exposed Mm -hmm. video more and also the accessibility. I mean, if you want to juxtapose to like muralists when they do stuff out in public, NFTs also are that way as well. So it's more exposure. But the speculative end of things, I'm not really a big fan of either because I'm more of an equality than quantity. You know, because I really have yeah. good pieces yeah. come out. And like you just said, you may do one or two a year, you know, where some people mm-hmm. do hundreds and that's their process. Mm-hmm. I'm not judging that. But yeah. sometimes yeah. it's good to kind of slow it down and have some some good stuff come out. And, you yeah. know, exactly. And exactly. not and not try to sit there and produce a bunch of stuff and then start complaining about why you're not making a whole lot of money and the gas fees are going up. But that's that's another <laughs> exactly. time and discussion right there. Right? No, 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 exactly. <laughs> I mean, look, look, digital ownership is a really cool thing. That's it's I should just, you know, backtrack one thing there. Like, it's not just provenance, it's the, the fact of being able to own something digitally. So that actually gives Fair form enough. to that 
thing. And I guess for me, like also, you know, I had the domain sculpture.eth and that for me is like thinking about these things again as sculpture, like how can digital form be sculpture? Mm. And that's kind of, that, that's where the interest for me lies. That's gonna, I'm going to have to think about that one. That's, that's valid. Yeah. Trying to make turn the video into a sculpture because, like, uh, the one that I did see that you had in the gallery, I love the movement in it. Yeah. And I guess I can see what you're saying because it's playing with a lot of space. It looks like, well, in my view of your work, uh, it's like you do play with a lot of space, a lot of background, foreground, and midground. And yeah, uh, no, no, for sure. Yeah, I, I know. I mean, I just just to add to that, like, I actually did I, I did a commission up in Ghent for a collector's property. I think just during COVID, actually, it was like right through COVID and. Weirdly, you know, there's a video work of that that they received actually when they commissioned it. That's like an NFT, but it's a video work of the property and the sculpture, the digital version. But actually, the commission was a large scale sculpture on the property, so it exists there, and that's the thing that actually sort of came first, you know. So, you know, it, it was a it was a flower that I found in Vienna, a peony that was scanned during COVID and then sort of intersected on itself and then made into this large stainless steel objects again. And then finally it's back as this digital form. So, you know, that those transactions are the things that I'm that I'm interested in. I want to say that you explore a lot in that metaphysical world in some yeah. in yeah, some I respects. Think, yeah, that, that's that's what I hope. And I think like at the moment there's something interesting about that just reasserting our relationship to the world in a in a physical phenomenological sense you know yeah. and even even a lot of like the video work the skies you know like and actually the title of the show at hollis tag at troposphere you know the the it's a word that describes that layer of the atmosphere where everything happens in terms of what we see in terms of weather you know right so all the weather visuality comes from that part of the sky but you know, often when you get a beautiful sunset, it's because it's a it's a dirty sunset, it's a polluted sunset. You know, like there's things of that nature too. So yeah. I think there's also a play between what's beautiful seemingly and then linking it to something that's also problematic. You know. So, oh yeah, yeah. But we do have a lot of uh, environmental problems. I will go there with that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, no shortage. There's no shortage. Yeah. The other thing that really jumps out at me is the use of color. So, mm -hmm. uh, what is the role of color in your work? It's 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 complicated um, <laughs> because one one part is one part is sort of predetermined and it's a choice, and one part is giving the choice up to a third party, which is sort of nature. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, like when I'm going outside and I'm, let's say, letting light do its thing. And that's, that's a lot of environmental stuff, you know, that I don't actually plan, but I, I take those images and then I, I select through them, you know? So it's kind of like, I never know what I'm going to get in a certain day and time and skies all around the world. They look different, like project in a museum sort of by the water in New Zealand. And, um, I did some shooting on the top of the museum. And then the works that went were shown inside, you know, like right. a, a few weeks later. And that those images were such a deep blue because you had the sea right beside you and it was reflecting sort of up, you know. And yeah. then some in LA I did last year and uh, it was a really incredible light. Like, again, a bit like Italy. It has its own special light thing going on. And and you get the the palm trees and stuff there too, you know. So some of it, there's color there. So that part of it is a bit out of my control and then what it does to the color of the objects that i'm taking images of that's it also offers them you know and then just in terms of my choice and color i really like colors that 
can also read uh, material. So, you know, when you think about like golds and iridescence and all these kind of things, mm -hmm. they are a color, but actually they're not, they're not a color you just paint. They're, they're like the interaction of surface and materiality and, and mica and, and rock and all those kind of things. And actually when I, when I did a residence there in Masmoka, it was an old, I think an old quarry, that site. And it, there's a lot of limestone around there and different things. So I actually ground down a whole lot of the rocks that I found in that residency. And I use those pigments, you know, so I do that too, where the, those pigments then become the material that I'm both shooting, but then they get mixed into the paint as I'm doing the painterly part of the process. Yeah, so I think I'm I'm interested in that, and I, I love. Look, I'm also just a, I love color, and I'm a color, colorist, and <laughs> you know, I remember being a kid and having uh, one of those. I, the brand was Derwin. It was like this pencil brand, and I had like the a, a set of like seventy two colors, and I just like rearranged these colors. Like, yeah, know, that, that's what I did. For me, it's like exposure to color. I just love the the mad scientist aspect of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, but then, as, of course, when you go to school, you start learning about color theory, so it takes some of that magic away. Uh, as a human, you know, I have different responses to colors. Fun fact is that when people who are manic depressants, actually, mm -hmm. their worldview, all the color has been desaturated, which I find very interesting. Mm -hmm. And cool. it's just that yeah. psychological of color. And so when I was looking at your work, that's one of the other things that popped out in my mind is, mm -hmm. even though you might do some serendipitous with color choice, it's also that you are mm -hmm. kind of making choices as well and you just explained yeah, that yeah. no for sure for sure and, and yeah. we're understanding colors and how they interact with each other and kind of the psychology of it you know because like you said a lot of your work is is kind of bright not much of it's dark even some of the work mm. that you would say was mm. dark work is still rich mm. and vibrant and i i, I yeah, just yeah that's why i was asking about what kind of role color plays and um yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it's just so much to unpack there i think it's like i think color is one of those things that people treat it with a bit of simplicity sometimes, you know, but yeah. it's, it's actually, it's so complicated to think and talk about because so many of those choices are like, they're not just a choice about one thing, they're multitudes, you know, it's, and it's not a decision you've made now. It's like, it's a decision you made five years ago, if that makes sense. Like, no, it, it does. It, it's a language yeah. of doing and making and it's responding to place and, and, you know, I, I'm not a painter who, is responding directly to certain other paintings that people make or through history. But I'm interested in the, like how people did things in more of a big picture genre sense. And I, I like, you know, like I talked about the Italy and that sort of painting history they have there and how light and all that stuff like moves around a canvas. It's how do you convey that? It's, it's super interesting. And so much of that is about color actually too, you know? Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Like you yeah. said, it's, it's uh, complex and kind of a little difficult to unpack yeah. from time to time. I think there's also, you know, I think uh, certainly in my earlier paintings, there was a lot of responsiveness to like sort of digital artifact, you know, and, and the kind of colors that we might see in that way of making and yeah. green illumination and what that does to color the saturation and that's all there too but i think more recently i've tried to like push against that like i don't want to fall into that visual cliche of making images that look digital mm -hmm. which is it's very easy to go and like do something with digital software and it has this aesthetic and then yeah you, you make a painting of it but that's sort of a very one-way relationship. Like that's just a sort of translation of an image. And I, yeah. I think like we're almost post that time where that's like 
as interesting anymore. And mm. we, for our own, like the complexity that we have as people in the digital world is something I want to reflect in what I do with painting. I think that's an easy way to put it. Yeah. And not just like sort of embrace the thing that is, is most obviously there or something. So, yeah. Try to yeah. try to expose the less obvious is a good, another way of saying yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So how are colors related to one another? Good example would be like complementary, like blue and orange. Yeah. Is the juxtaposition of color more or less important in your work and why? Mm. Mm. I think my answer there is probably about those paintings where I'm trying to create that illusion of space, you know, and depth and where you have these really contrasting things going on yeah. that it's because the light is shining looking like it's shining through all this, oh. this stuff and that these objects are somehow more sort of backlit or like you know i think that i can talk about it in that way i'm I, i'm not sure like with colors themselves like where they're they're in contrast like that you know i think i think in a very simple level it's just like making an interesting painting you know, I think that's how I'd put it. And I, I think especially when I when I get to the studio and I'm in the the part of the process where I'm just painting and painting and, and layering up these images and trying to I have an image, but I'm trying to like activate it and make it do other things too. Yeah. And I think that's where you're just like a painter. Some things are planned and some things are not, and some things just happen sort of like in that way you know it's responsive and it, and it works yeah. yeah it's like i said a moment ago yeah. it's like serendipity is yeah. is a great painter's yeah. tool that you have is is letting yeah. it let sometimes let the work work for you is a good way of putting exactly it. exactly yeah yeah for sure uh and so another element of your work also that i found is even though they're static right let's for mm. for the listener out there mm. You get a lot of movement, and I mm -hmm. I love mm -hmm. that when you have that kind of thing going on, and and it's based off of the dynamics or the like you said the contrasting. Mm -hmm. So the the question is, how does movement, uh, dynamics, and shape play into your work? I think this relates a little bit to what I said earlier when I was talking about the scanning and the scanning process being like actually a slow image. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just one static, uh, momentary image in the world it's actually a culmination of parts of you know a 10 minute sort of uh process and i've often thought about work that the paintings are making in that sense that there is an underlying movement there even if you can't you know even though they're static paintings um right and then the but the, the more important thing too is i think try to i i want to make paintings that are in one sense, they're landscapes, but I actually want to make the in-between, like something that is figurative, but it's not figurative, you know? Yeah. That's a landscape, but it's abstract. Like, right. how can you do these two things at once? And I think that's like, I, I use a lot of paint that's sort of folded and manipulated and almost looks like fabric. And I think especially when I use that, that, that really it almost looks like cloth or parts of a body or something, you know? And yeah. yeah, I think that's interesting. It just, it just puts the painting into another genre <laughs> or between genres <laughs> in the, in the way that I'm, you know, trying to do this. So, yeah. Well, once again, I can't help but go and want to say that that metaphysical space, it seems like you really love to explore yeah. that, that realm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So 
and you know everything ultimately everything's a real object in the world right too so it's kind of like yeah. you know abstraction is always a kind of representation of something yeah regardless know? if and, it's something based yeah. off reality or something in your mind yeah. yeah exactly exactly oh you know what that's a great follow-up question here we go <laughs> <laughs> uh is your work a process of uh, imitating the world around you or is it a world mm -hmm. that's in you the representation is definitely the word I use, and I, I that's that's been the case for a long time. I think it's I think all painting is a representation of the world around us, and I think the I think the artist brings their voice to what what that is. Like they are the obviously the the conduit for that, right? But at its heart, I really believe that painting is always a capturing of moment and place and time and person yeah of course of that person right and that's why it's so awesome because it sort of like always renews itself you know it always captures the zeitgeist even if you're making a painting that doesn't necessarily look like it's trying to like it it could just be a portrait of someone but it still tells you about time and place in some way and i i, I don't know for me that's that's also what i'm trying to do obviously in a more abstract way but um the things that i bring to it it's just i think like i maybe said at the start there's this generational perspective that you have on things that yeah. I think all artists have. And I think it's good to embrace that. You know, I think, you know, at art school, I think sometimes you, you sort of, you, there's people you look up to in the world that are like making art in a certain way, making music in a certain way. And you want to sort of copy them and, and, you know, do something like they're doing, but actually a lot of that sort of fool's gold because you know, they might be there's sort of a generation on and all those experiences that they had inform the music that they made, inform the art that they made. And you kind of have to find your own voice and way in the world from your, you know, experience. So. I was joking earlier about childhood trauma, but that's another example of something. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. That yeah, is, all that stuff is like inescapable. Feeds, somehow, yeah, it, so, it's, yeah, it does feed yeah. into your work. And uh, okay. like you said, it, it could be easily generational. Like a lot of the yeah. new artists that are out there now are definitely being more um, responsive to uh, internet stuff, uh, just to kind of oversimplify definitely. it. Yeah. And yeah. coming from an age and time where I was able to touch grass, as they say, uh, and uh, <laughs> sometimes missing touching grass, uh, it is it mm -hmm. does show a reflection of or of and through your work. I, I would definitely mm -hmm. agree with that. So what is something that people don't understand about your work? I think my work, because it moves between different poles, gets misunderstood in two ways, I guess. I think, I think like, you know, if I have a digital kind of practice, it can get misunderstood because it's not in the, not always in the classic, like media art sort of way of making or presenting. And a lot of the times I'm showing alongside paintings. Right, you know? right. And then vice versa, like for painters, like, you know, maybe it's like sometimes they're, they're not quite painterly enough to sort of just be paintings. And right. so I think there is probably misunderstanding, but I think it's in a way that I'm kind of happy with because I think it's doing what I want it to do, which is be between these different worlds and try to try to incorporate it all, like not try to treat, treat them so differently. Like the, whether it's the video work or a painting, treat them as the same kind of thing. You know, like a painting, a video can be like a painting in, in many ways and, and that they speak to each other and yeah, they don't need to be divorced from each other. Yeah, like you said, there should be kind of a, a unification, right? Not a, not a separation. Yeah. 
And I yeah. can see and what that's you mean. What that, you know, I think speaking about NFT culture, <laughs> that's the big problem with NFT culture. Yeah. It's all in the main yeah. that a lot of big proponents of that call themselves like NFT artists. And I've, I've found that that's so problematic. You're just an artist, you know. I'm raising my and, hand. I agree. <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree with you, sir. And I will so, fight anyone so about that. You're, sort of, you're doing a disservice to yourself, I think, if you, if you just think that that's it. And yep. um, I agree. You know, I know a lot of great, great media artists who have been doing work like that for a long time, and they release NFTs, and they would say, "Yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm an artist. It's all just another genre to explore." And so, what's uh, next for you? What's uh, the next projects and uh, shows and etc. that you got coming up? Um, so, I opened the show in Berlin last week called uh, Birch Maple Oak Post Rococo. It's a bit of a tongue twister. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And uh, those are the things that I was allergic to on my <laughs> hay fever app while, the, while I was in New York and there was a big pollen palooza. Like it was really, everyone had crazy hay fever. So, yeah. But I, I, I like that because I was like, this is sort of, I'm shooting the sky and I'm shooting like these natural occurrences anyway. And then it was nice just to think, yeah, I'm allergic to these things that somehow <laughs> coincidentally I'm also, you know, basing these paintings on. So, yeah, post Rococo, so, you know, Rococo was something also like it, you know, it keeps coming up with people in the way they talk about the work and I, and me myself, like there's something in that too, in the, in the sort of sense of illumination and this likely decorative and da da da. So, but yeah, and that's, uh, I obviously, I had a show with Hollis Taggart that closed uh, the month prior mm-hmm. uh, called Troposphere. And I have a bit of a break now and I'm just, everything um, is kind of scheduled for end of year. I have something in Shanghai, an art fair, some large scale paintings and um, in Singapore at the start of 2024. So wow. Well, plan. I was going to say, you actually have a pretty busy schedule there because you got a lot of, a lot of work ahead of you to do. <laughs> it, it, it is, but I, I, I feel like I, I, it's been so busy so far this year um, that I'm just happy to have sort of four or five months of, yeah, no openings for a while. So that's, yeah. That's nice. <laughs> well, I was going to say, yeah, kind of take a little break from that and recharge the batteries as yeah. they say. Yeah. 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 Just get some headspace and, um, Time to think about the work is as like crucial as the making of the work, I think. So I you know, it's rarely said, but very true. You're correct. Sometimes yeah. you need to have that little D time or the downtime to kind of reflect on what you do and why you do it and how you do it. Because exactly. uh, people like yeah. me are gonna ask questions about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is one of my favorite questions to ask everybody this question. And uh, sometimes people get tripped up, sometimes they don't. What advice would you give to your past self and to other artists? I think it's pretty simple. I think just don't worry too much. Well, don't worry too much about what other people think. Mm. I'll clarify that part. Art is so comparative and there's such a tendency to just sort of base what you're doing or how well you think you're doing along this very long path that we lead just by what others are doing. And I think that's bad for your work and it's bad for your mental state, you know. And I think when you're young, it, it's so hard to kind of assert agency over you're owning your practice, you know? Right. And you're in a ven- really vulnerable state. And I think, um, yeah, so I don't know, just fighting through that is really important and just keeping doing what you're doing. Because I think you get to a point as you get older, naturally, I think we, you just um, you just have to embrace what you do and like not overthink it all the time, you know? And just trust that what you're doing speaks to 
yourself, I guess, and then other people, hopefully, <laughs> like in the best case. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I, I would agree with you on that, you know, because that is, uh, even speaking personally, you're right. I mean, you go mm-hmm. through a phase where it's like you have that kind of doubt. You're like, am I doing the right thing? Well, you know, you start comparing it to other people. But once you do, and then like you said, you lean into it, you focus on what you're doing, and you believe what you're doing is correct, you know, you will find your voice and you will kind of get, I guess, better lack of words, noticed more. And believe in yourself is is definitely paramount on that. I could not disagree yeah, with you yeah. on that. Yeah, it's, I think it, yeah, I think that that it's simple and to say it's hard in execution. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I even will say that uh, sometimes I will go through uh, that self doubt still to this day. I you know of um, course of course. I mean, look, that, I think that's a natural part of any art artist practice. It's just anything creative. It's it's just there's always going to be doubt there. And yeah, just just. Keeping doing is the only thing that matters is from my experience. Like you keep doing and then things will work out. And I, I've learned to kind of start to embrace that doubt, you know, because it's yeah. also kind yeah. of a, a low level reality check. It's like, am I doing the right thing? Yes, yes, yes. No, oh, let me do something else. And... <laughs> yeah, totally. No, that's the, of course. Yeah, yeah. It's not all just sort of confidently going and being like, yeah, that's great. It's yeah, just that, walk um, into your studio and you just bang out a bunch of work yeah. in a week. Yeah, and it's some, yeah. some people can, some people can't. So yeah, no, for sure. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, too. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, no problem. Let me uh, do this real quick. I want to say thank you to Andre for taking the time to do the interview. To learn more about Andre's work, go to his Instagram at Andre Hummer, all one word. To hear past episodes of Artbox, go to the website at artboxdmv.com. And don't forget, ArtboxDNV is on Instagram at ArtboxDNV. Until next time, thank you for listening.